Welcome to Grace Family Church. We are so glad you decided to check out our podcast. Our prayer is that this teaching from Pastor Tommy will encourage your faith and lead you towards the greatness God has planned for you. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy this message. Um, next Sunday is Family Sunday. So next Sunday we'll be having uh, uh, our, our first through fifth graders in the service with us. We'll try to shorten the service a little bit. We will have communion at the conclusion of the service. And then after the service is over, right here in the sanctuary, we will be having a cover dish luncheon. So um, we're encouraging everybody that's coming to bring a meat dish and a side dish. Uh, that's next week. We're also encouraging everybody to bring your family and friends out that may not have a church home. What a great way to invite them. Hey, free meal. Uh, come out and enjoy the service with us. Um, and we deem it Family Sunday, so you can actually reach out to family members maybe that need a church home. But I will tell you this, after the service, immediately following, we figured we'd just knock this out real quick. So when we dismiss, instead of running to your cars as I always joke about, to beat the other churches to lunch. Um, we're going to take the, we're going to just need your help in moving around, rearranging the sanctuary a little bit. And so if you're willing to hang around and help and you're physically able to do that, we're going to just move some chairs out of the back there and move a few tables in so that it's set up. So throughout the week, the folks that are preparing the, you know, for that, uh, will be, be ready to do that. So that's immediately following the service. And then also want to remind you that October 31st is our Halloween, Halloween neighborhood outreach. We set up over there, pass out, uh, right there in the lot next to us for all the trick-or-treaters in Montgomery Village. We pass out popcorn. And, and hot and a warm cider, and we also share the love of Jesus, and that's what we're there to do. So another opportunity to be a part of that. So if you're interested, see Nakia. And then last of all, on Saturday, November the 4th, so not this coming Saturday, but the following Saturday is a church-wide work day. So we'll be preparing our flower beds and all the things you do to sort of winterize, you know, get things ready for winter, um, blowing a few leaves and things of that nature. So if you're, we're also, uh, even though hopefully not a too cold a day, so we can pressure wash the front of the building here. But if you're interested, you have the equipment, you want to help, uh, make sure you see Bill. He's sort of organizing the men of the church to do it, but the men have said, hey, a lot of work to be done. We want to extend that to everybody in the church. So uh, let's come out that day and do our best to um, uh, just spruce up the church for the winter, okay? All right, uh, I want to continue the series we've been teaching on love. Um, uh, you know, we've been talking about this now for 10 straight weeks, and we're going to do two more. I'll have one this week, and I'll close out on Family Sunday uh, with this, this particular uh, message. And then, um, and then after that, we're going to wind up uh, jumping into another series on love. <laughs> so just a little bit of a different angle on it. But um, today I want to talk to you about a specific topic, John chapter 13. Verse 34 through 35 is our foundational text, and it's what we um, have been using as uh, sort of a, the, the command for us to be people of love. So let's take a look at that, and then we'll pray and believe God for what he has for us. John chapter 13, verse 34 says, A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. Let's pray before we get started. Father, thank you so much for your word, and I just thank you that your word brings truth and life to us, and so I pray that as we move through this that I will speak your words, that your spirit will rest upon me and make my tongue as the pen in your hand to write upon people's hearts. I pray that you'll eliminate, you know, the stuff that may be me, and I thank you for just getting across to us what the spirit of God wants us to hear this morning. So that when we leave here, we can truly say we're blessed and better. We're growing in our relationship with you because we came to church. 
this morning. I, I place 100% reliance on for you to do that, and I thank you that you will, because you always stand behind your word. And so I thank you for doing that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You know, we pointed out in this series, and, and as it so aptly says there in John chapter 13, Jesus said these words. He said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. That is the commandment for the believer. And we said that, you know, because that's his commandment to us, we should eagerly pursue to walk in love. I've read this verse of scripture uh, very often throughout this series, but I'm going to read it again because I just think it so aptly tells us the position that love should be in our hearts and in our lives. It says, eagerly pursue and seek to acquire this love. Make it your aim. And then it says this, make it your great quest. You know, there are so many things we can pursue in our life. There are so many things we can pursue that we want out of life. But what this scripture says is that our number one goal should be to pursue love. How many of you are growing in that because of what we're teaching and just trying to grow in that because you want to follow God and do what he says? And so it should be our number one goal. When we get up in the morning, our mindset should be not I'm going to do this to suck the marrow out of life, right? Because that's a lot of people like that. No, I, my, my goal today is, Lord, show me how I can show your love to others, how can I express that to others? And that's the goal of our church, is to be a church where we bless people, and, and it's a goal of these teachings so that we can be individuals that want to do that. Not just in what we say, not just because we think it's a churchy thing to believe, but, but we, want to, we want to embrace that in actually what we do when we're not here on Sunday mornings. How many of you realize Monday through Friday can be sort of tough sometimes because you got to live in the world and you got to face things and you got to face people sometimes that do things that maybe you would wish they hadn't have done? And in those moments, you have to make choices to walk in love. 1 John chapter 3 and verse 18 says, Little children, let us stop just saying we love people. Let us really love them and show it by our actions. Then we will know for sure by our actions that we are on God's side, children of God, that today's Living Bible says. And so what that verse says is don't just, you know, buy into the theory, yeah, you know, we need to love, but then you go out and you live mean to everybody, right? And don't just look at somebody and say you love them, but you have the wherewithal to help them at times and you close up your heart and don't do it. No, let your actions and let your, your, let your very actions exemplify that. And so we've pointed out a lot of different things. Eleven weeks, right? Eleven weeks we've talked about the different nuances of love and how that applies to our life. I'm not going to go through all eleven, but I would encourage you, go back to our website or go to our podcast or see Kyle because he's got them coming up everywhere now, a Bing and all sorts of crazy places. Uh, but if you want to consume those messages, go back and listen to them. But I do want to point out that last week we talked about one of the aspects of love is that it gives. Love gives. And, and you know, when I say love gives, you know, I think a lot of times in churches you get, get uncomfortable because you think you maybe you're talking about finances. And love certainly gives, you know, if you love, you know, where your heart is, you'll give. But really the, the, the crux of what uh, last week's message was, was this, is that when you walk in the love of God, it'll transform you into a giver instead of a consumer. Romans chapter 12 and verse 2 says, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. God's love in you, when you embrace it and you're thinking about it and it's a part of your life, it will transform you, it will change you. From being a person that is constantly seeking and pursuing what you can get out of life, how can you can make yourself most comfortable, how you can get out of people what you need from them to be satisfied, it'll change that in you. 
So that the very motive of your heart, I hope you, you catch this, you know, at the outset of this, that the motive of your heart is, Lord, I want to live my life not in a way that I can take from life. I want to live my life in a way that I give into life that I'm a giver, that I'm generous with who I am, that I'm a giver with my love, that I'm a giver with my forgiveness, I'm a giver with my mercy, that I'm a giver with my time, my talent, my resources, that in every situation I am looking to give the best of me that I can possibly give. And if we give, with, and, and that's transformational to the way most people live. Most people live their lives seeking to eke out you know, their existence and find their happiness and build their castle of comfort and build their retirement. And all those things are important to, uh, to all of us, right? But the motive of our heart should be, Lord, make me a vessel through which I can be a blessing to others. Now today I want to talk about another aspect of love beyond giving. You know, as we're drawing closer uh, uh, to the close of this series, I think it's important to go back and, and read a portion of Scripture that is really probably the most profound message. It's probably the centerpiece of, of the message that Jesus delivered when He came. Uh, and it's found here in John chapter 6. Jesus said these words, But to you who are listening, I say... Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. I mean, I want you just to think about these words as you read them. It's absolutely transformational to think this way. It's different. He says, love, the, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Wow. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't demand it back. Do, do to others as you would have them do to you. Man, those are powerful, transformational, uh, almost uncomfortable words for us as people, right? Because when somebody does you wrong, what do you want to do? You want to do them wrong back. But what we've been told here is, is that Jesus, his very own words that drip from the lips of the master say, we need to do the complete opposite. And Jesus goes on in the next verse to tell us how we do that. Because, you know, it's easy to embrace those words with people we like. Because, you know, sometimes people you like do you wrong or hurt you, right? You ever seen that happen? And it's a little easier, you know, to get past that if you, uh, sometimes. But, but what, about, what about people that we don't like? What about people that have hurt us so bad that we just... I don't like that person. I don't, want to, I don't want anything to do with it. What about those people? Because he says, he doesn't qualify. He says to love them all. Jesus tells us in the next verses that follow in verse 32 through 36 how we actually accomplish this. And that's really what I want to get to today is how do you love the unlovely? How do you love somebody that treats you like a piece of dirt? How do you love them? John, Luke chapter 6 and verse 32 says, if you love those who love you, what credit is it that, uh, to, uh, what is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? I always think that's interesting because how many of you realize that verse, there's a little hidden nugget in here. Can I just give it out to you? Uh, that verse says if you lend, right, to somebody. Well, lending is, you know, it, it's different than giving, right? So he says, if you lend to someone and you expect repayment, what credit is that, right? Goes on to say, even sinners lend to sinners expecting to repay in full. What's he saying? He's saying that when you, when you do lend, 
right? There is a payment that should be expected back, but not from the person, right? Our mindset should be, if I'm lending, the Bible says if you give to someone in need, you're giving to God, and he repays you, right? So our mindset should be, I'm going to lend, and if they don't pay me back, that's okay. I'm going to trust God anyway, right? goes on to say in verse 35, somebody might have needed that this morning. You might have lended somebody something, and they didn't pay you back, and you've been holding a grudge about it. Well, that's right. Let it go. Just realize you just were obeying God and doing, being nice and doing the best you could and just trust God. Verse 35, it says, But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great and you'll be children of the Most High. Notice this, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Now that's interesting. God is not only kind to those that are kind to him, but he's kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Yet many churches across America believe that God ain't kind to the ungrateful and wicked. They believe God's ready to rain down fire from heaven on anybody that opposes the plan and purpose of God, right? And they see him as enemies. But what Jesus, I mean, wouldn't that be something for his, hey, you love the kind and unwicked, but I won't. Well, that ain't right, right? That'd be like telling your child to do something and you don't do it. How I many of you realize you've fallen short of that sometimes in your own life? We're not perfect parents. But we try to tell them to do the things we would try to live our life by, Right? And notice what it says there. It says, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. So notice he told us to be kind to the ungrateful and wicked. And the way he tells us to do that is by showing this mercy, showing this grace. He says, if you love those, and you love, he says, verse 36, verse 36, he goes on to tell us. He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. So in the context of loving your enemies, this is how he says you do it. Be merciful as your father is merciful. Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. So the key to walking in love with those that do you wrong is, has nothing to do with them. It has everything to do with the choice you make, and that choice you make is, is that you're going to choose to be merciful and not judge them. Because that's what he says here, right? He says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. Do not judge. Now I'm going to talk about this next part in just a moment. And you will not be judged. Do not condemn and you will not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. And so Jesus tells us the key to loving the unlovely is to not judge them. What does it mean to judge? Well, if you look up the word judge, it just means this, to decide. To decide. Well, what are you deciding? Well, when you judge someone who's done you wrong, you're deciding if they were right or wrong, right? You're deciding if what they did was right or wrong. And most of the time when we're upset with somebody that we call an enemy, it's because we believe they were wrong and I believe I was right, right? Matter of fact, let's, let's take it a little bit less personal. How many of you realize when you judge anybody, right? How many of you realize there, there are things people can do that don't touch your life, but we still pass judgment on it all the time, right? We look at people that do certain things that the scripture says maybe we shouldn't do, and what do we do? We look at them down our noses with the pointy little finger and bony finger of accusation, and we say, they're wrong. They shouldn't be doing that, right? And so what, what, is, what are you doing in that moment? What you're doing is, is you're saying, they're right. And, and in one sense of the word, you're saying, and they need to be a little bit more like me. We see this in our actions all the time. I cannot believe they did that. Have you ever had it come out of your mouth? Well, that's judgment. Well, you know they had that coming. You ever had that one? Or the old world one, karma is you know what, right? You know, which karma is, comes from a, another religion, right? But you know, they got what they deserved. 
I can't believe they did that. I'd never do that. How many ever said that before? You don't have to say amen, all right? Well, you know what I think? I just don't think they should have done that. I would have done it this way, right? That's judgment. And the Bible says love doesn't judge. Now think about it for a minute. That's just in general. But let's bring it a little closer to home. What if you put to me behind those statements? Because we've probably done that, right? Well, I can't believe they did that to me. How could they do that to me? The minute, you, the minute we embrace that mindset, we become judges of the other individual. And Jesus is telling us that if we're going to show God's love, we shouldn't judge. We shouldn't render a verdict on someone else's actions. We're not called, you know, a lot of people would say, yeah, well, okay, we're not called to judge. But, you know, as believers, we're called to be fruit inspectors. I've heard that before. How many of you heard that before in Christian circles? I've heard people say that before, right? Like as if uh, judging and fruit, inspect, fruit inspecting are different. An excuse to look at somebody and say, well, what they did here was wrong and I got a right to judge them, right? Jesus unequivocally, did I say that word right? Said, don't judge, right? See, some people even pull out an often read verse of scripture that talks about where, you know, there's good trees and bad trees and you'll know them by your fruit. See, you know them by your fruit. You're supposed to be a fruit inspector. Let's just look at it. Can we look at that this morning? Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, it says, beware of false prophets. Everybody say false prophets. So first of all, he's not talking about the everyday average run-of-the-mill person in the context of what he's talking about, but we're going to see there's application here even to the everyday run-of-the-mill average person. He says, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're ravenous wolves. So what is he saying? He says, beware of people who are trying to use you, right? And they come in all shapes, form, and flavors, right? Come in infomercials, come saying they're a lawyer, <laughs> come saying they're a preacher, right? There are a lot of different ways people can try to amuse you. And in, in the context of what he's talking about, he's talking even more so religiously. And, and the reason he's sharing this is because he came in a time where the nation of Israel was being manipulated by a group of men, Sadducees and Pharisees, with a bunch of laws to extract stuff from the people instead of to be a blessing to the people, Right? And what he said here was, beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will, and then he goes to say this, you'll know them by their fruits. So he does say, you'll recognize the fruit of people, right? You'll know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes from a thorn bushes or from th thistles? Or for th 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 I feel like Sylvester the cat this morning. Even so, everyone, how many of you know who Sylvester the cat is? Who doesn't? Okay, you don't know? Go look up, I think it's a Looney Tune. Tweety Bird, Daffy Duck, maybe Daffy Duck, right? Daffy Duck. All right, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked. Maybe I'm trying to make you laugh because it's going to hit close to home in a minute. Verse 17 says, even so, every good tree bears good fruit, but every bad tree bears bad fruit. A good tree cannot bear bad, I mean, it just seems very repetitive what he's saying here. A good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a bad tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit, notice this, is cut down and thrown into the fire, therefore by their fruits... You will know them. So what Jesus says here is as is, 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 is you're meandering along through life, 
you're going to recognize the fruit in people's lives. Matter of fact, we're going to find out in a minute that recognizing the fruit in people's lives is very important that you're recognizing it, but you must realize you must not act upon it in the form of judgment. Right? It says you're going to recognize there's good fruit and there's bad fruit. But there's a big difference in knowing something and inspecting something and judging something. Let me just take for example... You know, uh, when I was dating Delisa, I would drive from um, Greenville, South Carolina, back to Roanoke and see her every Friday. I would, I would do that. It was about at that time when the speed limit was lower. Uh, even when I sped, <laughs> it was about a five-and-a-half-hour drive. And every time I drove by, uh, up here and every time I drove by, by there, I'd go through uh, the Spartanburg area. And just north of Spartanburg area, there's a, there's a, a huge peach orchard, Right? Matter of fact, you ever seen the big, how many of you driven by there and seen the big giant uh, statue of the peach? And we used to always joke it was a giant butt crack because it looks like a butt crack. But anyway. <laughs> it did. <laughs> My kids, well, hey, I, hey I, they know, so you might as well know. Um, <laughs> they'd get a kick out of it and laugh about it because I'd always be, they never pointed out. They'd say, look at a peach and you're redeemed righteous pastor would say no it looks like a butt crack look <laughs> but anyway we, we would drive by this right after we were married we'd go we'd, but when we weren't married right I would drive by it every single Friday night and I would notice the peach trees and I would notice when there were peaches on the trees right and so I would know that's a peach tree I recognize the tree by its fruit but I didn't, I wasn't an inspector of the fruit. See, just because you will recognize the fruit in people doesn't mean you're called to inspect them, look at them, judge them, right? Now, what does that mean? What is he, what is he doing? Because what this is, he's talking about in context here, it is a warning to us though, right? He's saying, this is a little pre-context to this not judging piece, because I think if we're not careful, if I don't lay this foundation, you're going to think that means that you just ought to embrace everybody in the world, even the people that hurt you. And that's not what the scripture teaches us. We're to love everybody in the world and forgive everybody in the world and embrace everybody in our hearts and pray for everybody. But that doesn't mean if, if somebody's got the fruit, the consistent fruit of their life of constantly hurting someone, you need to beware of that. You need to understand that. And you need to love them and wall that person off from the ability to continue to hurt you. But still, love. don't pass judgment on them. See, that's what we're talking about this morning. We're, talking, we're not talking about, you know, uh, just being gullible because one of the things we said last week is love doesn't make you gullible. Love doesn't make you soft touch for someone. It doesn't allow you, and that's how we get out of abusive situations in our life. You know, because a lot of times that's the, the, very, uh, the very thing that we're called to do to love people and forgive people. Abusive people will use that to manipulate people to stay in a situation so they can continue to abuse them. Amen. I don't, I don't know if somebody needs to hear that this morning, but I really felt like I needed to dig in on this for a moment. God has never called you to be the whipping boy for anybody. He's called you to love people. Jesus was the only whipping boy for everybody, and you ain't him. <laughs> He's called you to love them, and rec but he said, recognize if somebody has consistently shown a behavior of hurting, then it's your job to forgive them, but not to judge them. What does that mean? Well, we're going to get to that in just a moment. But love doesn't 
make you gullible. You see, love, if given freely, uh, is given only, you know, the, the, the love should be given freely, but trust is something that people earn. Everybody say love. Everybody say trust. Love is something we give to everybody. We forgive them. We don't hold bitterness for them. We don't, forgive, you know, we don't get angry towards them. We don't pass judgment on them. But my trust is something that is valuable. And my trust, we don't give that trust out to anybody unless the consistency of their behavior proves that they're worthy of that trust. You got it? And if someone says, well, can you forgive me? I violated your trust. You should forgive me. You should go ahead and act like I never said. No, all right, I do forgive you and I love you and I'm not bitter towards you, right? But if you want me to trust you, you're going to have to show some pretty long-term consistent behavior before I trust you again. Amen. Because love is freely given, but trust is earned. And we see that even in the scriptures as it pertains to God. Love is freely given, but it says there are many called, but few chosen. Right? Many people are called and God opens the door for everybody. But if you want him to trust you with the good stuff that he wants you to do with your life and anoint you to do it, then you have to prove yourself trustworthy. Right? And so I say that so that we can understand something. That as I move through the rest of the scripture, I don't want you to think that what I'm telling you is that you're, be, you're called to be gullible. Or you're called to be manipulated by somebody that's abusive. Right? But you are called to walk in love. You are called to not pass judgment on the very person who maybe has, has treated you the way you shouldn't have been treated. Why? Because love, the scripture tells us, doesn't judge. It doesn't render a verdict. It refuses to entertain the thought, how could they have done that to me? Right? I mean, I don't know if I'll get through this whole message because it's a lot to cover. But when you start meditating on how could they have done that to me, all you're doing is just burying the seeds of bitterness in your own heart that are going to be destructive to you at some point in the future. So we have to make decisions that says, I am not going to render a verdict. Why? Let me tell you why. Number one, why? Because you're not qualified to render a verdict. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't as smart as you think you are. You've been wanting to say that all week. So you should come to church every week because I promise you, married couples, I'll give you permission to just bash on your spouse every once in a while in my messages. We must realize that we should not pass judgment because we're not qualified to render a verdict. How many of you remember that didn't go too well for Job when he tried to render a verdict on a situation that he had no knowledge of? In the book of Job, you know, he lost everything and he was, you know, struggling through life. And then you have 38 chapters of him and his cohorts all, you know, pointing the finger at everybody, saying it's your fault, it's your fault. Passing judgment everywhere. <laughs> and then God shows up in a whirlwind. Well, first of all, that would be freaky, wouldn't it? Man shows up in a whirlwind and then he says this. Out of the, out of the cloud, he booming voice says this. Who is this that darkens my counsel with words without knowledge? You know what he really said there is, who is this stupid person talking? Brace yourself like a man. I will question you when you shall answer me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? What was he saying? He was saying, Job, you don't see everything yet, so quit trying to render a verdict. 
See, we're not qualified to see everything that surrounds a person's life that may be going on in their life that may cause them to actually behave the way they behave. Now that's not, yeah, how many of you realize, there's, there, nobody's a victim. How many of you realize that? I, I, I get sick of the victim mentality in our culture today. Nobody's a victim. You make choices based on what was done to you, but some people make wrong choices based on what was done to them. And we need to be sensitive to that. Doesn't mean we need to accept it. Doesn't mean we need to excuse it. But it certainly means we don't need to pass judgment on them for it. And that's what he's saying here. You see, one of the reasons we, uh, one of the reasons we don't pass judgment is because we're not qualified. And so, uh, and so what, what's the converse of that? The converse of that, Jesus told us, remember he said, be merciful. Everybody say merciful. The converse of judging is being merciful. What does mercy mean? Mercy means withholding punishment when punishment is due, right? So when, you, when you're in the middle of a situation and somebody did you wrong and you recognize somebody did, it was wrong what they did, it's nothing wrong with recognizing what, what they did was wrong, but don't embrace the verdict of that. Don't embrace the verdict that says because of that you get no mercy. You deserve no mercy. In my mind, I view you as a criminal, right? Scripture says not to do that, to not judge, but to show mercy and grace. Remain undecided in the matter, right? You know, there are times in my life where I've had people do things, and I shake my head and think, how in the world could they have done that? But in that moment, I have to, as a child of God, embrace the mindset that says, maybe there's something in their life that I don't understand that's causing them to do what they're doing. And I need to be more merciful to them in my mind and my heart. Maybe not let them into my life. Maybe not let them in where they can continue to hurt me. But I need to at least be merciful and understand there's something there I ain't seeing. So you know what? I need to pray. I need to pray for them, for God to open their eyes to see what's causing that. And for God to open my eyes to see so I can be more merciful and loving towards them. Right? Remain undecided. Why is that so critical in our lives? Let me tell you why it's so critical. Number one... Because it displays the mercy and forgiveness that God affords to everybody. It is, the, it, is the, it is one of the best ways to show people the love of God. Luke chapter 6 and verse 36 says this. It says, be merciful just as your father is merciful. It says, when we choose to not pass judgment. I want you to embrace this for a moment because this is going to be good news for you this morning. When we choose to and not embrace judgment of someone else, we are declaring this is who God is with our actions. We're declaring that God is not one that is passing judgment today. See, I would tell you that the good news is this morning, before we ever get to you walking in love is, how many of you realize God is not an angry God looking to punish you this morning? Many people walk around, though, feeling that way. They feel like they're at odds with God. They feel like they can't be blessed. They feel like they're unworthy. They feel like they haven't measured up. Why? Because they were not perfect in a situation. And they live in that mindset. And so because they live in that mindset, there's lots of people in the world today that believe that God is this angry God waiting to just rain lightning bolts out of his hands on everybody. But the good news this morning is, is that he's a God that is not angry with you. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you've been. Because of Jesus, he is not passing judgment on you this morning. 
As we sang, He is for you, not against you. Micah chapter 7 and verse 18 says, Who is God like you, pardoning iniquity and passing over the transgressions of the remnant of His heritage? He does not retain His anger forever, but He delights in mercy. How many of you glad, man? How many of you glad this morning that he delights in mercy? That right now he's delighting in blessing you, even though you may feel like you don't deserve it. Now I'll tell you something: you need to renew your mind if you feel like you don't deserve it, because according to the Scripture, you're the righteousness of God, and you do deserve it, not because of what you've done, but because of what He's done. Amen. And so mercy, this is the picture of who a merciful God is. Aren't you glad he's merciful you to this morning? That even though you may not have realized it till this moment, he is working behind the scenes to bless you. He is doing things you cannot see right now. That all you need to do is begin to believe it by faith and it will put that into operation in your life. He is on your side. And if he is on your side, then we should express the same to others. For when we do this, we're actually showing forth the most powerful calling card that God has for a lost world or someone who's not behaving the way they should behave. Romans chapter 2 and verse 4 says, Don't you see how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Does this mean nothing to you? God's kindness leads you towards repentance. See, what this verse says is that when we choose to show, I mean, first of all, his kindness brought us to him. For God so loved the world. We loved, he loved us first. We didn't love him first, the scripture says. Right? It was his kindness that drew us to him. And when we choose to show that same kindness to others, even though we may have to wall them off from being close to our hearts so they can't hurt us, but we continue to love them and forgive them and not say bad things about them. Right? When we continue to do that, it expresses God's greatest calling card, that he loves us in spite of ourselves. Amen? You see, the world doesn't need someone else to judge them for what they already know in their heart is wrong. Amen? Deep within the heart of every man is the knowledge of right and wrong. And he may sear it, he may make choices over and over again until he's almost oblivious to it. But I can tell you, especially in the culture we live in today, there is enough of God's truth and Jesus loved you bumper stickers that people know what is right and wrong. And they may choose to live contrary to the scriptures, but it's not our job to stand on the street corners in life and protest them because they're such evil people and we're such righteous people. You don't see Jesus standing on a street corner with a billboard castigating somebody for their evil. What you see him is declaring love, truth, and mercy. Because love, truth, and mercy will change a heart. Right? And that's what we've been called to do. And so what's another reason why we should show the mercy of God to others? Let me tell you another reason. It's much more personal. Right? Has nothing to do with, I mean, maybe you're just cold-hearted and you don't care about expressing the love of Jesus to anybody. Nobody here, right? (laughs) What's another reason? That we should show love because it affects us in our own life, our own happiness, our own blessing, our own progress in the kingdom of God. Walking in love and not judging others keeps us in a safe place spiritually. Notice Romans chapter 2 and verse 1. It says, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. 
That's pretty strong, isn't it? For at whatever point you judge the other, you are condemning yourself. Because you who pass judgment, now this gets really strong, do the same thing. I can't believe they did that. I'd never do that. The minute you said that, the minute you're guilty of doing it yourself, according to Scripture. But I didn't do it. I'd never do it. According to the Scripture, you go believe yourself, or you go believe God who knows better. I'm going to show you how this affects you and how it happens. But up front, when we look at this, when you make a choice to judge somebody else, what you're doing is, is you immediately put yourself in the same category they are in. We must understand that we are putting ourselves, when we choose to judge others, under the law of judgment. Instead of keeping ourselves as citizens of heaven and where we should be living under the law of grace and mercy. See, Romans chapter, uh, uh, Romans chapter 2 and verse 1 says this. It says, you, have, there, you therefore have no excuse, you who pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge the other, you condemn yourself because you pass judgment on others. And so what that's saying is, is if you make a choice to judge somebody, you're making a choice to take upon yourself the very same rules and principles you're applying to them. See, here's the thing we need to understand. You get a choice in life, first of all, of what kingdom you're going to reside in, what, where you're going to place your citizenship as a person. Are you going to place your citizenship as a citizen of heaven and the kingdom of God? Or are you going to choose to resist God's free gift of Jesus Christ and choose to live somewhere else, right? Which is not the kingdom of God. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 20 tells us this about those of us who've made that choice to accept Jesus. It says, for our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so it says, if you're a believer, your citizenship is in heaven, right? So what that means is, is when you accept Jesus, you legally become a citizen of the kingdom of God. And according to Jesus, nobody can take that away from you. He said, my sheep are in my hand and nobody will take them from me, right? So as we move through the rest of this message, I want you to understand something. We're not talking about your eternal security here because as a citizen of heaven, you're a citizen of heaven. You're a card-carrying passport member of heaven, right? But here's the point I want you to understand, and this is where it really gets dicey and we need to understand that we shouldn't be people that judge. Because how many of you realize as a citizen of the U.S., I can make a choice to take my passport and go live in another country. And although I'm a citizen of another country, I still am affected by the laws that are in that country. Right? In the same manner, when we make a choice, there are two laws that we choose to live under in this life. And it's not a decision of heaven or hell. It's a decision of what, what law I want to live under. One of the laws is the law of I'm going to do good, and that's going to determine whether I'm a good person. Right? Right? A lot of people you ask them the question, why are you going to heaven? Well, I'm a good person. Well, you ever, have you ever been a bad person? Have you ever sinned? Have you ever done anybody wrong? Well, the scripture tells us if you've done that, you're stained through and through. Nobody can be perfect. And some people, though, try to live under that law of being perfect. Unfortunately, even in their own mind, they live under that law, and they live condemned constantly, feeling like they never measure up. That's one law we can live under, the law of being a good person. But then, and that's the living under the do's and don'ts, right? But then there's another law that we can choose to live under, and that's the law of mercy and grace. Whoo, I'm so thankful for the law of mercy and grace. The law of mercy and grace says, 
Even when you're not a good person, I forgive you and you're still right with me. How many of you are grateful that this week you were right with God 100% because of the blood of Jesus instead of you being a perfect person? Woo, I'm so grateful for it. I'm grateful this morning that I am right with God, not because I'm perfect, but because He was perfect. Amen? Now we get to choose whether we're going to stay living under those two laws, right? We may be citizens of heaven, but it's a matter of what law you're going to submit yourself to. And when you make a choice to judge somebody, what you're saying is, is that even though I'm a citizen of heaven, I want to live in this country. I want to live in a country where you're judged by you get what you deserve. I want to live in a country where you're judged on whether you're right or wrong. Because I'm making a choice to judge them on whether they're right or wrong. So by my choice, by default, I'm choosing to live in country condemnation and guilt because, right, that's what they deserve. But when we choose to walk in love and forgive, what we're saying is, wait a minute, I don't want to live under a, a, a law that judges me on whether I'm right or wrong. I'm not going to judge them so I can stay in this country where I'm not judged on whether I'm right or wrong, where I'm not dictated to constantly in my mind by the condemnation of my wrongdoing, but I'm dictated in my heart by the truth that I've been set free from condemnation because of the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen? See, James chapter 2 and verse 10 says this. It says, For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. Right? So what he's saying goes, well, I'm going, I ain't got to tell you what he's saying. It's in black and white here. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery but do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So what is he saying? He's saying it doesn't matter if you wouldn't do what they would have done because you've done something else they probably didn't do. And because of that, you're just like them. You're, you're a lawbreaker without the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice of what he did as well. And so we should embrace a mindset that says, I don't want to live under this law of judging me by my wrongdoings. So I'm not going to judge you for yours. Amen? Amen. And so James chapter 2 and verse 12 says this. It says, then we should speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. Right? So notice what he says. We should speak and act by, by to be judged. We should speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law that gives freedom. What law gives freedom? The law that says, even though you deserve it, we're not going to pass judgment right? Speak and act that way. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And so what we find to be true is, is we have to embrace in our hearts to be able to walk in this kind of mercy that God called us to with this simple humble thought, but for the grace of God, there go I. How many of you heard that one before? We have to look at others even those that we are diametrically opposed to and think they are dead wrong, and we have to say, you know what? They're a human being just like I am. They've sinned, I've sinned, and without God's grace, I wouldn't be right with God, so you know what? I need to extend grace to them. I need to be humble and recognize I ain't perfect and quit judging people. Look at your neighbor and say, you ain't perfect. Luke chapter 6 and verse 41 says, Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own. <laughs> How can you say to your brother, brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, 
when you yourself fail to see the plank in your own, you, this is strong, Jesus said these words, right? You hypocrite. You actor. See, that's what hypocrite is. You actor. What do you mean you actor? Well, I'm right. I'm always right, and you're wrong. That's hypocritical. And Jesus said that's not humble, and that's not the way we should do that, and that's not looking at life through the loving eyes of Jesus. Romans chapter 14, verse 1 says, Accept him who his faith is weak, without passing judgment. That word accept is an interesting word. It doesn't mean accept in the sense of, you know, uh, in our culture today, it's a mindset of, you know, just embrace everything, everything's right. That's not what it means. That word accept means to take into oneself or to embrace one inwardly. So what that's saying is when you see someone that's falling short of the mark, even if they've fallen short of the mark in the way they've treated you, you may have to wall them off, that's fine. But embrace them in your heart. Don't push them away. See, here's a question I would ask you this morning. Are there people in your life that have hurt you and you've needed to wall them off even maybe, but you've pushed them away in your heart? You're not embracing them dearly. You don't see the value of them as a person. Because that's the real love and mercy we're talking about this morning. That's the real way that Jesus is calling us to live. Are we embracing people as valuable individuals and even in our dealings with them to wall them off? Are we doing it in such a way that's not judgmental, but it's merciful and gracious? Luke chapter 22 and verse 33 says, And when they had come to the place of Calvary, they crucified him and the criminals, one on his right and one on the left. But Jesus said, Father, forgive them or they don't know what they're doing. That's the kind of love and mercy we're talking to Jesus. Jesus clearly taught us about. Amen? John chapter 3 and verse 17 says, God, God didn't go to all the trouble of sending his son merely to point out an accusing finger telling the world how bad it was. <laughs> he came to help, to put the world's world right again. Anyone who trusts in, trusts in him is acquitted. So what's that verse saying? It's saying God didn't come to condemn the world. He come, came so that the world through him might be saved. Through him, through him, through his love, through his forgiveness, through his acquittal. Musicians, as you come, attitudes, our attitudes and actions towards others should be the very same that Jesus displayed, should be the very same motive and heart that Jesus came with. John chapter 20 says in verse 21, he spoke to them again and said, as the Father hath sent me, even so am I sending you. Then he breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. Jesus said to them, look, the way that I've received you, how many of you realize Peter was a vile fisherman? But Jesus made him very quickly a leader in his ministry. <laughs> he said, Peter, as I've accepted you, you go do the same with others, right? And then he went on to say, then he breathed on them and told them, receive the Holy Spirit. Why did he do that? You want to know why he did that? Because it is hard to accept somebody who's just punched you in the mouth. And I don't mean naturally. I'm talking about, you know, they've really just messed with your life. They really hurt you. It's hard to do that. You can't do that in your natural strength. And what he's saying here, and the reason he breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit right after they did that, was because they needed something supernatural to walk in this kind of love. And the good news for us as a believer, when you accept Jesus, his spirit comes to live on the inside of you, and you have this supernatural ability in you to love people, even when your flesh is screaming, I want to rip your head off. You have the ability to stop 
and calm your mind and look into your heart and allow supernatural love to come flowing out of you. I want to read to you one last little story of Jesus' non-judgmental actions. So then say unto him, they said unto him, Master, this woman was taken in adultery. All know, we all probably read this story before. This woman was taken in adultery in the very act. So we caught her, right? Worthy of being condemned. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Then they, they said this, tempting him that they might have to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and with his finger wrote on the ground as though he heard them not. So what did he do? He chose to not render a verdict. He said, I'm not going to judge this. I'm not everything, you know, the law says I should judge it. You say I should judge, but I'm not going to judge it. So when they continued asking him, nagging, 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 that's what they were doing, right? He lifted up himself and said unto them, he that is without, the, without sin among you, let him cast the first stone. What was he saying? I'm, I'm still not going to render judgment. But if you're so qualified to render judgment, take a look at yourself first and then render judgment. And when they heard it, <laughs> being convicted by their own conscience, went out one by one, being at the eldest, even until the last. Well, yeah, it's pretty, the eldest went first. Why? Because they were smart enough to realize. <laughs> Probably had a whole lifetime of sin that they realized they shouldn't have done, right? Goes on to say, what that also tells me is this, is that an older person, you should have the ability to look at the faults of a younger person when they don't realize what they're doing and walk in love and be the elder you need to be. Amen? Amen. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw that none but the woman, he said unto her, woman, where are your accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? Well, how many of you know that was a rhetorical question? He was still standing there, but he wasn't her accuser. He was making a statement and even saying that. And she said, No man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. Then Jesus spake again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have light. If we want lost people to have light, we got to quit judging them and start loving them. We got to quit looking at a lost world as a bunch of enemies. We got to stop looking at lifestyle choices as enemies of ours and realize there are really a lot of reasons why people make bad choices and it doesn't excuse the bad choices. But we still need to love people. In every situation, we need to choose to not render a verdict. Luke chapter 6, verse 36 says, Be ye therefore merciful, as your Father also is merciful. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you shall be forgiven. Man, i got to tell you something. If you take nothing else away from this this morning than this, you need to understand something. If we're to be like God, and He's telling us not to judge people for their faults, then God is not judging you for yours. You are right with God this morning. When it comes to the blessings of God, you're not trying to push water up a hill to get to it. He's rushing down the hill towards you with Him. He's for you. You're a child of God. 
I think as we sing that song, we need to realize that when we stand up and declare we're a child of God, we're declaring I'm right with him and I have a right to trust him for all the blessings of God. Amen. Therefore, I'm going to show that same kind of mercy to others. Bow your heads with me. Father, thank you so much for your word. I thank you that there's truth in your word. And I pray, man, I, I spent time on this. I pray that you took these words and applied them by your spirit the way they needed to be applied in our lives. That people that hold bitterness towards others and have pushed people away in their heart, they've made a choice to embrace them. Maybe not trust them yet, but embrace them, to love them, to pray for them, to dearly look at them. I pray, Father God, that we would be people of mercy showing your goodness to the world, to every life we touch. With every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around, maybe you're here this morning, you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life, but you want to do that today for the very first time. If that would be you, would you raise your hand and say, yeah, I want that mercy. I want to accept him. I've never done it before. I see that hand. Thank you so much. Thank you so much that you are right with God. That choice right there just did it. We're going to pray a simple prayer here in just a moment. Anyone else that would raise your hand and say, yeah, that's me. I need to do that. Okay, here's what I want to do for that person that raised their hand. I want all of you to bow your heads, no looking around, but I want all of you to say this prayer out loud with me. If you've already done it before, then you're just repeating what you know to be true. This prayer is simply going to be a prayer where you say, I believe Jesus died on the cross. I believe he rose from the dead, and I confess him as my Lord. We're going to help that individual pray that prayer so they don't feel singled out, but they realize they're joining a family, a, a family across the world that believes in Jesus. Amen. And for that one that raised your hand, when you pray that prayer, I want to tell you something. In that moment, you are going to be changed on the inside. You'll become a child of God. So everybody, pray this prayer out me. The one who raised their hand and everybody else, say this after me. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for my sin so God does not have to judge me. I accept the forgiveness of my sins in Jesus' name. Thank you right now. I am changed supernaturally. On the inside, I just became a child of God. Something spiritual happened in me. And right now, I am God's child right with God, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Give that individual a hand. I'm so grateful they made that choice. Hey, listen, um, if, you, if, you, if you did make that choice, maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you prayed that prayer in a minute for the first time. At the conclusion of our service, we're going to have prayer partners right up here at the front. Just come tell them. They have a packet of booklets they want to give you that you can read to help you understand and grow in your choice. Uh, and, and we'd love to have you just take those for free. And so uh, you can come forward in just a moment. But stand to your feet with me for a moment. And, and I just want to do one thing before we close. I, you know, the Bible says they go out with a song. And I know, you know, by the time I finish bumping my gums, you're probably ready to get out of here. But I think there's something solidifying that takes place when we take a moment to worship God for the truth we received. And I think when we take a moment to say, Lord, I am no longer a slave to fear. I'm not afraid of you judging me. I'm your child. I'm right with you. I, I think when we do that, it allows us to embrace the very attitude that we've been called to exemplify in this message today, that we are called to show that same kind of mercy and acceptance to the world around us. Amen? Amen. So Shannon, if you'll lead us in that just a couple times, let's sing that and just take a moment to worship God to put a cap on the end of this. Amen. Thanks for listening to our Grace Family Church podcast. We really hope you enjoyed this message. If this ministry has blessed you in any way, we would love for you to get connected. 
Just go to gfcva.info to learn more about who we are, how to give to this ministry, or how you can get involved. Thanks again for listening, and we hope to see you soon. Thank you.